Hello, this is Michael James King coming to you from beautiful Round Town, USA, where Christy and I were driving around the town the other day and we saw these signs. On a plumber's store, we saw the slogan, We repair what your husband fixed. <laughs> On a pizza shop, we saw the slogan, Seven days without pizzas makes one week. <laughs> At an autopatrist's office, we saw, If you don't see what you're looking for, you come to the right place. <laughs> and outside a muffler shop, no appointment necessary. We hear you coming. <laughs> this is yet another edition of God's Love Club, the podcast that talks about God's divine love and what it means for you today. We, as always, are giving a shout out to spirit-led Christians everywhere and greeting them with a holy kiss. We confess Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior thanking him for his sacrifice on Calvary, and we look forward to his soon appearing in the clouds. Father, in the name of Jesus, we ask that your Holy Spirit will lead and guide us as we speak to your people today, that they be incredibly edified by your word, and that your wisdom flood their hearts with revelation. In Jesus' name. Today, my co-host with the Spirit-led most is the lovely Christy Smith, the darling of Round Town, USA. Christy is happy and well-adjusted in beautiful downtown Roundtown, where she believes without limits, prays for her family and friends unceasingly, and treats everyone with loving kindness. Today, the title of this podcast is A Land Flowing with Milk and Honey. Hi, Christy. How are you? I'm happy and well-adjusted. <laughs> That's amazing. It's, a, it's great to live in a town where people have such a great sense of humor. They post it on their signs. Yes, they always put a little twist to the sayings they do. Anyway, we're going to talk about milk and honey today. And what we're getting at when we're talking about milk and honey is there were 12 spies that were sent out by the children of Israel to spy out the land of Canaan before they went in and possessed it. And what they were trying to do is find out the situation over there. And 10 spies came back with an evil report, but two came up with a positive report. And the two that came back with a positive report said, It is a land flowing with milk and honey. It's a good land, and we are well able to possess it. That was their report from what they saw. And then there was the ten people that said, Oh, no, it's a good land, but there's giants in the land, and cities are walled up to heaven. There's no way we're going to take it. And the ten that gave an evil report caused the children of Israel who heard it to fear. Mm. And so... Instead of looking at God and what he promised to do and what he was able to do, I mean, remember, they just came through the Red Sea. Really? Yeah. They believed people that focused on the negative and it sapped their faith and their strength to where they didn't think they could do what God had called them to do. They'd come all the way out through Egypt in 10 plagues. They went through the bottom of the Red Sea and now they're at the point where they're actually going to possess the land of milk and honey yet they thought they couldn't do it. Mm -hmm. And I was praying this week and thinking of God, and he dropped in my mind that when it comes to talk about what God is about to do, all we need to do is talk about the milk and honey. That's right. Are there giants in land? Yes, of course. Are the city walls walled up to heaven? Maybe. Does it matter? No. Mm -mm. Why? Because our God, who has delivered us from so much in our lives already, has told us that we are going to possess this land of milk and honey. And what we need to do is be 
emphasizing the blessing that God is about to give us and de-emphasizing all the problems our natural minds may think will come from it. I like that perspective, emphasizing what God said and de-emphasizing the rest. You know, what's interesting about that story is what are the names of the ten spies that gave the evil report? We have no idea. I don't (laughs) don't think they're even written down. But we know Caleb and Joshua. We know that Caleb was called by God a man who had a different spirit. And Joshua was the one who ultimately led the Israelites into the promised land Mm -hmm. and had tremendous victory. So those two men are noted for their faith and for their focus on what God promised, their positive thinking. The ten that gave the evil report were also sent out as spies, but we don't even know who they were. Their names didn't live in history. That's a very interesting idea. I like what you said about when they came back with the evil report, they sort of infected the children of Israel with unbelief because negative thinking and negative reports, negative speaking is very contagious. It's interesting because our minds are bent on negativity since the fall. We were never meant to doubt. We were never meant to fear. We were never meant to have to hold up in a little cave somewhere because we didn't think something could happen that God said was going to happen. We were created to have faith and to believe and to hear God. Yes, exactly. When sin came into humanity, our minds naturally turned to a negative bent. It's one of the effects of sin. It's interesting, I heard a study the other day of a person who was thinking about positive and negative thinking, and she was studying it, so she did some research. And the research was that there was a group of people that were all going to have the same surgical procedure. And half of the group, the doctors informed them, this procedure has a 70% success rate. The other half of the people, the doctors were informed to tell them, this procedure has a 30% failure rate. It's actually the exact same report, but one was focusing on the failure, one was focusing on the success. What happened was the people that were told it had a 70% success rate were positive about it, were looking forward to it, or thinking it was going to be good. The people that were told it had a 30% failure rate were afraid, were doubting it, had a negative perception about it. Going into it. Going into it, right. And then they flipped it. So they told the people that had the 30% failure report, now they told them it actually has a 70% success rate. The people that were told a 70% success rate were now told it has a 30% failure rate. What's interesting is the ones that were thinking positive because they heard the 70% success now started thinking negatively because of the 30% failure. It's automatic when you hear the negative to go to flip from the positive to the negative. But the interesting thing was that the people who started with the negative viewpoint, the 30% failure rate, even when they were told it has a 70% success rate, they could not get out of the 30% failure. Our minds are so bent toward negativity that it's very, very difficult for us to overcome what we thought was negative and believe the positive. It's something that is unnatural to our human thinking. It's unnatural to our sinful bodies. It comes by connecting with God. It comes by believing God. It comes by experiencing God and knowing Him for who He is. The reason that Caleb and Joshua believed they could take the land is because they knew God. They had a different spirit. They had a faith that knew who God was and that he was well able to make them take the land because he said they were going to take the land. Well, you know, all that got me thinking that what use is it to dwell on the negative that may happen, Mm -hmm. that hasn't yet happened? You know, we're not going in there ourselves. Right. We're not taking the land by our own power and our own intellect and our own ability. We're simply following God. 
In the Bible, it says that God went before them into the promised land. That was the same guy who had just wreaked havoc in Egypt because Pharaoh would not let his people go. That was the same guy that told Moses to pick up his rod and open the Red Sea. The truth was, there was no doubt that they were going to take the land. And no matter what they encountered, God was going to make it happen. Mm -hmm. Even when they came up to Jericho, the most fortified city in the land, God broke down the walls. Nobody knew that was coming. Nobody understood that that could even happen. But when it came to it and they obeyed God to the letter, God had the walls come tumbling down. And I was thinking this week, I have experienced amazing things in the Holy Spirit when it comes to tabernacles. Mm -hmm. I have experienced love that few men have ever known. I have experienced the depths of God's Spirit, not in some cave up in some remote place, but in the eyes of another Christian that is yielding to his Holy Spirit. I've literally walked across bridges that were not there. I have come to obstacles that didn't seem could be passed, and I went through them. And all these things God made happen. There is nothing in me that could have done any of these things. It was God who provided the means at the time it was necessary. Will there be giants in the land? Yeah, there will, but we'll deal with them with God when we get mm -hmm. to them. Right now, there's no giants right here. Exactly. <laughs> right now, we're in the land of milk and honey. The tabernacle experience is an amazing capstone of what God has been doing with the Gentile church. It started with salvation by faith. It got better with the Holy Spirit baptism where Jesus comes and dwells in you. A return of the Holy Spirit to his creation is an amazing thing. It's like turning on a light. Yeah. And all the bells and whistles that God really built into you begin to function. And then now the capstone is the tabernacle experience and it's becoming one with God. And because God is love, you become love. Mm -hmm. And it feels better than you've ever imagined possible. Everything becomes right. The world becomes a perfect place. Why? Because you're in the perfect will of God. And all that you've desired your Christian walk to be becomes that and a whole lot more. Mm -hmm. And I tell you, there is milk and honey in the tabernacle experience. It is an amazing thing. Your spirit becomes supercharged with God. And when you're connected with another person, you know what they're going through. If they are having a bad day, you call them up. You say, what's the matter? Mm -hmm. say, How did you know that? I just felt it in my spirit that right. you were down. Yeah, It's like having your own personal Jesus on call that is paying attention to you 24-7, and that has compassion for you, has understanding for you, thinks that you're the most perfect person in the world, thinks that you're the most precious jewel that he has in his crown, and you feel Jesus through another individual or through another group of individuals. It is like coming home. It is a feeling of belonging that people have searched for the world over and never found. But when you see Jesus in the eyes of another human being, you know you're home. You know you're face to face with your maker. And that feels incredibly right. Yeah, I like what you say about 
all the bells and whistles going off when you are filled with the Spirit and drawn into all that God has for you. It's interesting because we know the story in the Garden of Eden where Adam and Eve ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and they were told not to. And we think sometimes, well, what's wrong with knowing good? I mean, knowing evil, okay, I understand that's bad, but what's wrong with knowing good? What are we supposed to know if we don't know good and evil? God didn't want us to know good and evil. What were we supposed to know? We were supposed to know him. Exactly. says in the Old Testament, let him who boasts, boast in this, that he knows me, God says. The only thing that God really wants us to know is him. He'll lead us in everything else that we need, but we have to know him. Why is that so important? Because the way that this world is operating is twisted. It's backwards. It goes against what God originally intended. And if we set our minds to click with the way that this world moves, we're putting ourselves at odds with God. Yeah. So it's hard when God gets a hold of us to draw us back into the way things are supposed to be. It's like we have to get a total shift of focus to understand where it comes from. In 1 Corinthians, it talks about taking our thoughts captive. And it says, we take every thought captive that exalts itself above the knowledge of God. Because that is the most important thing that we can know is the knowledge of God. We're supposed to take every thought that is higher than the knowledge of God and bring it down and instead put over the top of that the knowledge of God. That's exactly what Caleb and Joshua did when they were going into the promised land. That's why they could believe that they were well able to take it because the knowledge of God in their minds superseded the knowledge of anything. Exactly. You know, this knowledge-based Christianity is not the way to go. We are not encouraged to simply hear what God says and do it, which is the way things should be. Mm -hmm. But the church has fallen into the trap of thinking that knowing about God equals having a relationship with God. Our Christian lives are not based on knowledge. We didn't start out that way. Mm -hmm. You made an incredible leap of faith to believe in Jesus Christ, that he died for you on the cross of Calvary and rose the third day for your justification. And that if you believe on him, you shall not see death, but have eternal and everlasting life. Now that is unreasonable. <laughs> yes, it is. That is purely believing God because he said so. And we don't live by reason. And if you are, you're dying on the vine. You're not receiving the life of Christ. You're going by what seems right to your natural mind, and that's enmity with God. The tabernacle experience is not a doctrine. It's not a set of teachings derived from the Bible in a systematic way. It is a knowing God personally through experiencing what he says every day and believing it. Is it a personal hookup with God to where you become a manifestation of a spirit walking the earth. This is what we're going for. Mm -hmm. And it's not a set of teachings. The teachings that I do on the website www.thefinalfeast.com, those are simply meant to provide a platform for you personally to start experiencing God. Exactly. I list things that you can do to start practicing listening to God for yourself. I don't want to instruct you. I want the guy who really knows his stuff, which is God himself, to start talking to you so that you can hear him. Mm -hmm. That's when things get excited. That's when the milk and honey of God starts flowing into your soul and you're rejoicing and you're 
You're so happy that God is speaking to you. There is nothing better than to know that God spoke to you, you obeyed, and something really cool happened. That's right. That is exciting. It's very exciting. That is the milk and honey of the tabernacle experience. I remember in Bible college being a young man of about 22 or so, coming into the tabernacle experience, the girls that I had looked at as sisters in the Lord, but as potential mates, they all became just people. All the sexual tension that young people have, it just dissipated. Mm -hmm. They just became a sister in the Lord. I was able to relate to them without that there. Exactly. And that felt really, really good. And we became just people. If God wants you to be intimate with somebody and take somebody as a wife, you'll be led to do it. And you'll find the milk and honey there. But if not, you'll find the milk and honey just in Mm -hmm. a personal relationship with another Christian. Mm -hmm. Male or female, it doesn't matter, you know. And that just takes all that natural-minded tension away. It was a revelation to me. I studied 24-7. I was just focused on the Word because I thought that's how I was going to get to God. I remember being in the library, going through the commentaries. I wanted to know, and I did it incessantly. And the more I pushed, the more empty I became. Finally, when the move of God came and God really showed himself to me, I said, wow, I've been doing this all wrong. God didn't demand that I do that. All he wanted to do is love me, give me revelation, and be with me. And being with God taught me more than ever a book did. You know, books are other people's thoughts. Books are other people's revelations that they got sometimes hundreds of years ago. Why not go to the source? You know, everybody wants to go to the original manuscripts written as close to the apostles as possible. Why not go to the source that gave him the scriptures in the first place and see what he thinks about stuff? I tell you, if you want milk and honey, sit at Jesus' feet for a while and Mm -hmm. let him talk. Mm -hmm. You'll understand by revelation things that you'll never come to an understanding by your natural mind. That's right. Yeah, and some of you are probably thinking, well, I've tried that and I can't hear him clearly. Let me give you a possible explanation as to what may be blocking that. When we learn the way that Michael's describing study and we use our natural-minded thinking to try to grasp and understand God, it inhibits where God is trying to speak to us. When Jesus spoke about living water, he was actually speaking on the Feast of Tabernacles, and he said, whoever drinks of me, continually drinks of me, then out of his belly streams of living water will come. We think that God is going to access our natural mind when he speaks to us. Our minds are supposed to be interpreters, interpreters of what we sense with our five senses and interpreters especially of what we feel in our spirits. We're not supposed to be led by our minds. And what happens is, like I explained in the previous study about the reports, the 70%, the 30%, our sinful minds are bent toward a negative bias. It's very easy for us to grab onto the negative. There's a lot of studies done about how thoughts affect our brains. When we have a negative thought or fearful thought or an angry thought, our brains produce cortisol. Cortisol is a stress hormone. And what the stress hormone does is it shuts down basically the higher portions of our brain, the higher thinking, the more sensitive portions of our brain, and puts us into the primal fight or flight portion of our brain. We think, okay, I got to put my dukes up or there, you know, there's a lion coming, I've got to prepare to fight or I need to run. And we shut down all the other parts of our brain that could be more sensitive to things outside of our fear. 
A lot of people run around with high levels of cortisol all the time because they're stressed. People aren't running from lions typically, but they've got deadlines at work, they've got problems in their marriage, they've got stress, all kinds of financial problems, and that produces stress. And when you sit with that stress, it produces cortisol, and you've got that in your brain. And what that does is it locks you in to a negative thinking. When the Spirit of God is moving in you and trying to get the attention of your brain and wanting your brain to interpret what he's saying, you can't hear it because those parts of your brain are actually completely shut down. What you need to do is you need to let go of that fear and you need to replace it with faith. You need to connect to the God of love. You need to feel his love directly or through another person. And you need to believe and have faith. Because without faith, it's impossible to please God. Part of that is because we can't hear God without faith. The Israelite children couldn't hear that we are well able to take this land because all they could see was giants, giants, giants. They yeah, got exactly. into that primal fight or flight mode in their brain and they couldn't hear the positive. But when we can allow ourselves to hear the positive, to believe the positive and stir up that faith, it basically opens up the portions of our brain that are able to receive from the Spirit of God. Then when the Spirit of God moves from our belly into our brain, we can interpret it and we can say, ah, I get it. I see. I see where God is going. And what that produces in us, those kinds of thoughts, the positive, the faith thoughts produce dopamine in our bodies. And dopamine is a chemical that helps you to feel good. It helps you to be happy. You know what? It produces the fruits of the Spirit, things that enables you to experience the full Spirit of God. It's very important that we undo and rethink the bias. When Paul explained that in 1 Corinthians, the scripture that I mentioned, it's very important that we take our thoughts captive and subject them to the knowledge of Christ and the knowledge of God. And anything that exalts itself above the knowledge of God, we need to put down because those things that exalt themselves above the knowledge of God put us into that negative thinking. Then we're in a place where we can't hear him. We can't walk in the spirit. We can't live by faith. But when we put the knowledge of God, which comes from our spirit and our connection with him above our natural-minded thinking, that's when we can really access him and hear him and know. And we have to be there because the way that he's going to lead you is not going to be natural and it's not going to be normal and he's going to lead you step by step in things that you don't see the end of and you think where is this going but you know in your spirit you're supposed to go that direction he doesn't always tell us the end he knows the end but he doesn't always tell us and if unless we have that faith and that that positive belief that there is milk and honey this is a good thing this is a good place to be we're never going to be able to access the fullness of all that god wants us to have and believe me you really want to know the fullness of what god has <laughs> yes, for you, you. Do. Like she says, it feels really good, but it feels really good without shame. Exactly. And that is a marvelous thing. A lot of feel-good things in the world comes with a whole bucket load of shame. And when God brings you joy and God brings you love and God brings you all the things that you've ever wanted, his stuff comes with no shame, no self-recrimination. There's nothing. It's just the good. And these are things that are the milk and honey that God wants to give you. And it's without all the problems. Mm -hmm. You know, when we come to giants, we'll deal with the giants. God will be with us. He'll take care Mm -hmm. of them. But when it comes to milk and honey, he just lets us enjoy it. He wants us to plant our vineyards and enjoy the fruits of our labors. He wants us to enjoy the relationships with other members of the body of Christ. We are coming into a massive move of the Spirit that is greater than anything you can ever imagine. I can't really describe it adequately because I I don't even know all of it. I just know the outer edges of it that I'm feeling in the spirit. But I can tell you that the love that is going to come through you and other members of the body of Christ is going to bring 
the evil in this world to a complete and utter standstill. The love from above, the manifestation of the sons of God, is going to make the world know that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not see death, but shall have everlasting life. It will not be a concept, it will be a reality, because Jesus is walking in you upon the earth again. In millions or perhaps billions of people who are filled with the love of God, and they will help each other. If somebody is sick, they will pray for them and they shall be healed. If somebody is lame, they shall lay hands on them and they shall walk. If somebody is hungry, they will give them food. If somebody doesn't have shelter, they will invite them into their house and give them a place to stay. It is an incredible thing that we are about to experience. And it is the Spirit of God expressed through humanity as God in the beginning decided to do. God is the one who did this. He is the one that is going to be seen. And the God of the heavens and earth, when you see him in another individual, you cannot help but love him. You cannot help but trust him. You cannot help but want to be near him. You would never, ever think of harming anybody you saw God in. I don't care if you're on opposite sides of the fence in Kosovo. You're going to love that Muslim, and that Muslim is going to love you, and you're going to both agree about Jesus Christ. You won't care about what you believe doctrinally. You won't care about what you've been taught from your childhood. All you will care about is the knowledge of Jesus Christ, and that will become your bond and your common area of ground that you stand on. This is going to come from the people that you would never think that God would even touch. They are the ones that are open to receive the Spirit of the Almighty God. And they will convert to know Jesus. But they will not convert to your religion. They will not convert to your doctrine. They will care nothing about what you believe. Because they know the one that you should be believing in. This is what God is about to do. He is about to manifest himself on this earth again in such power and presence that people who walk through the streets will say, who do you know? I can feel it. And you'll say, it's Jesus and he loves you. And you'll look at them and they'll believe you. They'll believe you. They'll say, what can I do to be saved? And you'll tell them and they'll get down on their knees and give themselves to Jesus Christ right then and there. It will be a true salvation, and they will follow him for the rest of their lives. Because God is loving his people through his people. This is what is coming. This is the milk and honey of the gospel. This is the good news fully realized on earth. This is a powerful Move of God beyond anyone's comprehension. And it is about to come. And Jesus is saying to you today, Do you want milk and honey? Do you want me? Are you willing to give up all these other things you think look like me and actually have me as I desire to come? 
That is the question that Jesus poses to you today. Do you want him? And are you willing to give up everything else and purchase his milk and honey? That's right. And God is very, very passionate about that. As he spoke through you just now, that's his passion. He is a God of love. That's his nature. And his desire from the beginning is to move into this world through love. It breaks his heart, grieves his spirit, and I believe angers him when he sees people that are supposed to be representing him not moving in love. And people feel like they have to reject Jesus because they see the way the church has been acting. What's going to be beautiful about this milk and honey is that the true Jesus is going to be seen in people, and people are going to connect to you because they see that love. And when you tell them that love comes from Jesus, they're going to be blown away. I didn't know Jesus was like that. The beautiful thing is that God is moving in this milk and honey all over the world. We're hearing reports of people just handpicked from different places all over the world that are connecting with God in a powerful way. They're not coming necessarily through a church. They're not coming necessarily through a teaching. They're having a personal experience. A lot of people that have been on a spiritual journey and been down a new age trail and completely rejecting Jesus, all of a sudden as they search with all their hearts, they meet Jesus, the true Jesus in the spirit, the spirit of Jesus, and they're being drawn to him. That's what God is doing. He's moving by his spirit through the world, but he also wants to confirm everything he's doing by his spirit through his people. And so many of those people that are discovering God in that way and discovering Jesus in that way are being connected to other members of the body of Christ that can show, yes, what your experience is Jesus. And that love and that acceptance that you talked about when you were in Bible college where the sexual tension was removed and there was just this unity and this bond of love, that is a very real thing. And it's extraordinary to be able to feel so close to someone that you feel like they know you deep inside, you know them deep inside, and there's total acceptance and love. And there's no expectation, and there's no demand, but that openness and without any kind of attention, just the acceptance. You can be yourself, they can be themselves, and there's just an acceptance. That's how God wants to flow to his people, and that's how people can understand the true nature of God is when we manifest it as his representatives. Yeah, exactly. God teaches our hands to love. When you're filled with those spirit, he teaches you how to love. He teaches you how to manifest his love to another human being in ways, well, it's supernatural. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter what you look like. It matters who's coming through you. The world is so focused on the outward, but it's only a package. God is in you. And when he loves through you, it is a love that is beyond anything that you've ever experienced. And frankly, it's just you and me today, and you're listening to my voice. And you know what I'm talking about is what you want. You want to be loved unconditionally. You want to be loved like the other person knows what you need, when you need it, how you need to be touched, how you need to be talked to. That is where you live, or where you'd like to live. This tabernacle experience, this milk and honey of this new thing that God is doing is going to meet all those needs but in a righteous way there's going to be no shame you're going to return to innocence and the person that God chooses to love you through will only do so at the bidding of his spirit and you'll feel the holiness of the touch of God and you'll feel the satisfaction that goes beyond the natural mind and you'll finally Be loved how you really want to be loved. And this is part of the milk and honey that is coming. 
other parts of the milk and honey is that if a person has two houses, they'll sell one and give it to the assembly so that they can distribute it among those who have need. If you have two coats and one person doesn't have one, you'll just give one to them. You'll be so self-sacrificial that you'll give away everything that God wants you to give away while the person next to you is doing the exact same thing. And the person next to that person is doing the exact same thing. And all of a sudden, what we'll find out in the body of Christ is that we're incredibly rich. This is going to open the gates of God's blessing upon the body of Christ in ways that you don't even imagine. And suddenly, where there was lack, there'll be abundance. And it's not a communism. Mm -hmm. It's not an enforced five-year plan of some centralized committee. Mm-hmm. It is the Spirit of God individually releasing the bounty of his body to his body and to the world mm -hmm. as he leads. So much of what I say is born just of experience. It's not born from going and doing a systematic study of the scriptures. It's simply revelation. And that's something that you should understand. We have come to a post-doctrinal age where we live not by what we know, we live by who we know. Right. We live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God at any given moment on any given day. We live by revelation, exactly how Jesus lived. Jesus didn't do anything that he thought of himself. He would see by vision what God wanted to do. He'd hear his voice. He'd just do it. And it didn't matter. That is where we're coming to, too. And the trouble is, a lot of people have built their entire careers on dispensing knowledge to the body of Christ. And those people, they wonder, well, if that's true, what am I going to do? Well, what you're going to do is you're going to step back from what you've been doing, and you're simply going to become a member of the body of Christ. We've reached the until, yes, where the body of Christ point. is going to do the work of the ministry. Whatever you've done in the past, I mean, that's past. Right now, you're going to sit down with the congregation and let God get up and do what he wants to. The milk and honey is not in more knowledge. It is in personal experience with God. You really want to sit down with Jesus and talk with him face to face and have him talk back. Mm -hmm. I mean, that is basically the desire of every believer on the face of the planet. Well, how's that going to happen? Well, just like in times past, God was in a burning bush. Just like in times past, he was in the pillar of fire and smoke. He walked some time in the angel of the Lord. In these latter days, all the fullness of the Godhead indwelt Jesus bodily. Mm -hmm. He became the perfect manifestation of the unseen God. So if you wanted to see God in that day and age 2,000 years ago, you got near Jesus' feet just like Mary did. And you had a personal experience, a personal audience with the Almighty through mm -hmm. Jesus Christ. Now in the scripture it says we are the body of Christ. And the body of Christ is like unto Christ. Right. So if you want to see God in this generation, you need to find the feet of somebody who is filled by measure of the Holy Spirit and somebody who is manifesting Jesus Christ, and that is how you're going to have a personal encounter with God mm -hmm. now. We need to put away the shame and the condemnation that we've been taught for years and embrace our brothers and sisters as God leads. 
we need to allow ourselves to manifest the Holy Spirit through our eyes, through our mouth, through our hands, through our feet, through everything that we are, so that Jesus can be seen again on the earth. This is the milk and honey that God is offering you today. Mm -hmm. You, personally, the person who is hearing me right now, can become a manifestation, a revealing of God to another person in the body of Christ. You've felt this before. You've felt the Holy Spirit wanting to hug somebody or wanting just to be near somebody. And you resisted it because you thought it was evil. You thought it was sin. You thought it was forbidden. I'm telling you, no. That was God in you wanting to be next to another person. And just as you were bought with a price and you'd be willing to die for the sake of the gospel, you need to be willing to give your body as a living mm -hmm. sacrifice mm -hmm. for another person that God wants to touch. Mm -hmm. and the beautiful part about that is that it's so satisfying when it comes from within you instead of without. The problem with a lot of the church today is it tries to enforce on you from an outward perspective. This is how you should act. This is what you should do. And it's outside pressure. Yeah, it's exactly. like telling a two-year-old you have to share your toys. There's nothing in the two-year-old that wants to share, <laughs> but you have to tell them you have to because to be a good person, you have to share. So I'm teaching you right now to share. And so we force them to share and they fold their arms and sit there grumpy because they didn't want to share. They did, but they didn't want to. God's not looking for actions when our hearts are resentful about what we're doing. He's looking for hearts that are willing to cheerfully give. So our responsibility is to connect to the Spirit of God and see how He's leading us. If you think your job is to do the dishes in your house all the time, no matter who's cooking, no matter how many people are there, you're going to be the one to do the dishes, but you're feeling it as an external force. You're going to be sitting there scrubbing plates and be grumbling because it's not fair. Why do I always have to do the dishes? An outside pressure to make you do an action that you think is going to please God never works. It has to start from inside you. If the Holy Spirit inside you is causing you to desire and feeling that God wants you to do the dishes all the time, you're going to feel that desire, you're going to walk in that desire, and there will be no resentment. There will be no folding your arms and getting frustrated. You'll just do it out of the love of God. And in what we do in response to God doesn't require any validation or affirmation from anybody. We feel that satisfaction of knowing we did what God wanted us to do. God is pleased. We take pleasure in doing whatever it is that God asks us to do. Then if other people give us kudos for it, that's just icing on the cake. But the beautiful thing about this walk is that it's a relationship with God. And as he speaks to us individually, we each have an individual thing that he moves on us through our spirits to do, not externally, but from our spirits as that living water flows out of us, it manifests in some sort of words or some sort of actions, something that God wants us to do to represent him. And the satisfaction comes from just doing that, just obeying it, loving someone the way he wants you to love. You don't need to get anything back. You know, the interesting thing about love is that appreciation is a form of love. And it's said that if you appreciate something, you look at a flower and you appreciate it, it actually stirs up feelings of love in you. And you feel love from appreciating something else. So take that to a greater level. When you're loving as God wants you to love and you love someone with the love of God that's in you that you're pouring out, the feeling that you get and the satisfaction that you get of experiencing that love doesn't come from the person. It comes from God in you that's flowing out of you. And everything that we do in God is like that. And it's very satisfying and it's not something that causes you to be resentful or begrudge other people because they're not doing it. But we have to be able to be open to connect to God and keep that 
faith that it is milk and honey that we're living in, that we're experiencing, that God wants for us in order to really be there. Exactly. Now, there's a person listening right now, and you know who you are, that you think you're absolutely worthless. You think that you've screwed up so badly that God could not possibly forgive you. And the devil is telling you that you might as well just go away. And I'm telling you that you are the center of the known universe. You are part of the most amazing creation that God ever created. And his attention is on you. He just told me by his spirit that you're listening today and that you feel crappy about yourself and that you can't think that anybody will ever love you. And he's here to tell you personally that that's not true, that he loves you desperately and that he loves you very much and that to him you are precious. And everything else to the contrary is just so much lying. God sees you. That's why he spoke to me. He knows what you're going through, and he wants to make it better. But first, you're going to have to start believing that you're worth something, believing that he has taken his time to talk to you today, and that he does care about you and is aware of your circumstances. God is very intimate with you right now. He's right there with you. He's right there inside of you. And he knows what's going on. He knows all the crap that you've gone through all your life. He knows your fears. He knows your shortcomings. And the truth is, you're not going to make it on your own. Okay? You've, you've really experienced that that's just not going to happen. But you plus God equals victory. God will make up the deficiencies in your life and make you whole. And he will use you beyond what you ever thought possible if you'll just yield to him and give your life to him and allow him to live through you. There's nothing good in you or me. All that's good in us is Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. And if we let him live his life through us, all the bad things that we are will just kind of fade away. And all the good things that he is will start coming out. And the good thing about that is that as he is living his life through you, you get to go along for the ride. And that's pretty spectacular, yes, let is. me tell you. So don't be discouraged. God has pointed out you today, and he knows you, and you are going to have a good life. Mm -hmm. Don't think that it's over. It's not. God knows you and is about to get a whole lot better right away. Amen. Amen. On that note, I think that milk and honey is a lot better message than doom and gloom that exactly. some are <laughs> talking about, you know. People read the book of Revelation, they say, oh my God, there's seven judgments, seven trumpets, and then there's the vials, and then there's the locusts, and then there's wormwood that's going to fall from the sky. Oh, no. Nah, that's for them. The milk and honey is now the dwelling place of God is with yeah, man. Exactly. And that's what God is starting right now. Exactly. You know, in the midst of troublous times, God's going to be with you like a fortress. Mm-hmm. And in the midst of utter destruction, God will come and call you forth and you'll be with him in the air 
mm-hmm. forever. Mm-hmm. That's right. And the beautiful thing about all of this message is that what God is going for in Revelation 21 and 22, that the dwelling place of God is with man, this tabernacle blessing is God wanting to start that now. He's so exactly. anxious to be one with us. Yeah. He's starting that right now. And so he can yeah. carry us through whatever happens, and we can keep our eyes on the milk and honey. Yeah, you know, after the first three plagues, nothing touched Goshen at all. That's right. Even when they had no light everywhere else in Egypt, they had light in Goshen. Amazing. You know, God separates his people and keeps them safe in the hour of temptation. Mm -hmm. And this is exactly what's going to have with each one of us that will trust Jesus Christ with all their hearts. And the milk and honey will be ours. You know, he comes for his bride. Why? Because his love is bright. He's not going to leave his bride down here. We're going to go with him and be where he's at. Amen? Amen. On that incredible note, (laughs) thank you for being with us until the end of this podcast. You have done a humongous thing in God. Well, humongous. I like that word. (laughs) And we give you a gold star to add to your collection. A platinum star if you have more than 10 Mm. gold stars. And thanks for being with us to the end of this. Our desire is that you be built up in the most holy faith Mm -hmm. that you be in the presence of god and know jesus christ personally if Mm -hmm. you are heading towards that by anything that we've done today we have been successful that's right we just want to plug you into the holy spirit so that he can lead you in everything that he has for you because it's going to be humongous and spectacular and we love you we believe in you Mm -hmm. and we know that god is going to be with you for the next seven days until the next god's love club (laughs) You have a great day. We'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. Bye.